The following message was preached at Redeemer Community Church. For more information about Redeemer, visit us online at www.redeemernc.org. Psalm 2127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In other words, if, if the Lord is not the builder and the watcher over our church, our, our homes, our, our own souls, then we don't stand the chance. Which means we need to call on him to come in and watch for us and build for us. So what better way to begin our year than to call on the Lord to do these things? So obviously this is going to be a service devoted to prayer, kicking off a, a week of prayer. And that might be exciting to some, but to some of us, that might be a bit intimidating to think this much about prayer. Because if we're honest, we're often very, no, feel like we're very good at it. We can feel shame and guilt about our prayer lives. And Jesus knows this about us. And in his kindness, he gives us a model to follow, a structure to follow in our prayer. And for 2,000 years, God's people have used the Lord's prayer as, a, as structure and as inspiration for their own prayers. So this morning, we're going to be structuring our service around this prayer in different aspects. And we've broken this prayer up into four different parts. Praying for God's glory, praying for God's will, praying for God's provision, and praying for God's grace. God's glory, God's will, God's provision, and God's grace. So I'm going to be back and forth. It's going to be different. I know I like structure, but it's good to shake it up every now and then to help us focus in on what we need to focus on. So we're going to begin by looking at God's glory today in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It's really common in introductions that, that you start off with two important parts, right? Who you are and why you're there. Take Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride as an example. In his famous line, what does he say? Hello, my name is Indigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die, right? He gives us the who, who he is, and he gives us the why, why he's there. And the Lord's Prayer starts off in a similar way. It gives us the who, and it gives us the why. It gives us who, who is God. He's our heavenly father. When we pray to him, we can approach him as we would a good father because we're his children. What does that mean? That, that means that he provides for us. He loves us. He feels the deepest affections for us. He's near to us. He's our father. But he's also, he's our heavenly father, which means he is both imminent, he is near, he is also transcendent. He is above us. He is beyond our understanding. He knows everything. He can do anything. He is everywhere, always. He has no limits. So Jesus offers us, he tells us to pray to God as our heavenly father. So when you pray, begin by reminding yourself who you're praying to, who God is. Remind yourself of his goodness and his greatness. Remind yourself of his nearness, but also his transcendence. Remind yourself that you are his and that you can enter into his presence with the boldness of a son or daughter of the high king of heaven. 
So the prayer starts off with the who, but we're also given the why. We pray to our Father, we pray so that his name would be hallowed. We pray so that his name would be honored as holy, because it is. We get, begin by praying to God, the glorious God, and we pray that he would be glorified. We pray that God would be glorified. Now, obviously, God's name is already glorious, right? God is glory. God has all the honor. So this prayer is praying that in our lives, and even in our prayers particularly, that, that we would respond to him, we would pray to him in a way that magnifies his glory, in a way that shows who God is more clearly. And if that's the case, then everything that follows in our prayers is going to be different. Right? We don't come into God's presence primarily to lift up ourselves. We don't come into God's presence to lift up our own glory and honor. We don't come and just give God his little bit so that he'll give us what we really want. We don't pray so that God would make much of us. We pray so that we would make much of God. And we bring our needs to him to make much of him. We ask God our biggest questions in life. We bring him our doubts to make much of him. We ask for our forgiveness for our sins to make much of him. And this is how Jesus tells us to begin prayer. He reminds us who we're praying to, our glorious heavenly father. It reminds us why we're praying to him. That we might honor God's name as holy. That we might honor God's name as glorious as it is. And it begins by praying for God's glory because that really sets the tone for everything that follows. Now, we want to be careful when we take, talk about models and structure for prayer because this doesn't mean that this is a hard and fast rule that every single prayer we pray has to have this exact same thing. Look at the Psalms. The, the order is going to be different. But in all these cases... God's glory is going to be one of the central tenets of prayer in the scriptures. And it ought to be one of the primary things that we think about when we come to the Lord in prayer. So right now, we have the opportunity. Bruce Ritter and Christy McLean are going to come up here and are going to lead us in a time of prayer for God's glory. So as we continue to look at the Lord's prayer, so we looked at God's glory. Now, for a moment, let's look at God's will. What is, what is God's will for your life? What is God's will for your families, your children? What does God want for you in your job, your finances? What does he want you to do in just fill in the blank situation? These, these are questions we ask all the time. These are very common questions for Christians to ask, and they're good. Oftentimes, the spirit behind them is, is good, right? We want to know if what we're doing aligns with what God wants us to do. But oftentimes... When we think about God's will, these kind of questions can rum, come from a wrong standing, starting point, I think. That we have some kind of, we often have a predetermined goal. We have a predetermined desire that we want. And we take this to God and we want him to put his, his little stamp of approval on it so we can get really what we want. We want to make sure that God's will aligns with our will. Because our, our default is to set up our own little kingdom and ask for God to bless it, ask for God to build it, or to create our own perfect will and see if God will allow it to happen, might agree with it. But instead, that's not what Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us that our own will should be set aside, that our kingdom should be put away with. And instead, we should pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
as it is in heaven. How is that? In heaven, God's will, God's kingdom are accepted, embraced, enacted perfectly all the time. More than that, his will is cherished above all else. There are no battles, there are no competitions in heaven about whose will or whose kingdom will be pursued. So when we pray, we pray that God might bring about his perfect will. And what we're praying beneath that, because God's will always happens, what we're praying beneath that is that we would submit to whatever God brings about. This is much about the posture of our own hearts. It's recognition that God's will and ways are above our own. We're admitting that in that prayer. It's an admission that God is wiser, stronger, better than we are. His plans are better. And so we can gladly pray to him to bring about whatever he wills, whatever he wants, knowing that it's going to be good. And finally, to ask for God's kingdom to come is a request for God to make things right once and for all. When we look around, like it's, it's exciting to have a new year. It's a fresh start. But if we're honest, it won't take long for things to get muddy again. It won't get very long for things to get not so pretty. And for our years and our days and our weeks and all those things to, to be discouraging, to be hard. This year is going to have a lot of suffering, like every other year. There's going to be times we look around and we're going to think, what is God doing When is he going to make it right? And we can have confidence that God's kingdom is marked by justice, by love, by mercy, by holiness. So when we pray for his kingdom to come, we're praying that he's going to bring about the end of sin and pain and suffering once and for all. And he's going to do it. Like that's actually going to happen one day. And though his kingdom, it spells the end for every other earthly kingdom, it's going to bring about the fulfillment of eternal life and joy and love with God and with God's people. So we can go to the Lord and we can pray for God's will to happen. We can pray for God's kingdom to come with confidence that when his will happens, it's it's always good. It's always good. His kingdom is always just. It's always right. It always brings about exactly what we need. So again, at this time, we're going to have Sally Ritter and Anthony Kinzer come up and lead us in a time of prayer for our hearts, for our homes, and for our church. Next, we'll look briefly at God's provision. I'm willing to guess that nearly every single person in this room can open up your pantry or your refrigerator and have plenty of food for today for tomorrow and the day after that. We might not have prime rib and lobster every day, but we're all okay, right? We have most of our basic needs provided for, honestly, whether we even think to ask about it or not. And for that reason, Jesus' call, his admonition for us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, can oftentimes, in our very abundant context, seem a bit flat. It might feel a bit useless, since we seem to get this again, whether we ask for it or not. First of all, this ought to remind us just how good, how benevolent and generous God is. Right? He sends rain to the righteous and the wicked. He delights to 
care for his creation. He blesses the clothes, he clothes the lilies of the field. He gives birds the food they need. He cares for his creation. He cares for us. He's good. But at the same time, it's true that many in the world do suffer need. Many people don't have the things that they need. Like this prayer for daily bread would probably feel a lot more pressing for us if we were living in a time of famine in Ethiopia or Haiti in places of the world where they're actually going through that right now. Right? So when we think about that, we ought to pray for people who have need, pray for these precious souls and consider how God might use our abundance to bless them. But when we think about what it means for us to pray for God to give us our daily bread, how can we do that? How can we do that in a way that is, that is helpful, that is meaningful in our context of abundance? First, we want, I want you to realize that when we think about, when we pray for daily bread, it's not just for bread. Gluten-free people can be thankful for that, right? It's not just for bread. It's a way to talk about all of our daily needs, our, our physical needs, our emotional needs, our relational needs, right? We need a lot of things. We need food to eat. We need clothes to wear. We need place to live. Most of us need cars to get to work. We need a job to make money, a source of income. We need friendship. We need community. We need all these things. And the Lord owns everything. And he delights to give us all that we need. So we shouldn't hesitate to bring these kinds of needs to him. It's not bad to ask God for what we need. And in addition to that, we're not even only praying that God provide these things. Obviously, we want to pray that we're praying that God will provide them, but that's not the only thing we're doing when we pray for our daily bread. What's also happening in that kind of prayer is we are recognizing that these things come from our loving Heavenly Father. Right? It's so easy in a very comfortable, plushy American context to take these kind of things for granted. And this kind of prayer helps us to remember that food doesn't ultimately come from Food Lion or Walmart or all the places before that, right? Food, the things we need, they come from our Father. And we can either recognize that, and when we do, we experience joy and thankfulness for his generosity, or we can forget. We can forget where the things we have and things we need come from, and we can feel entitled. We can feel discontent about what we have. So when we pray for our daily needs, it helps us to remember who's given it to us. That it's coming from God who gives us what we need for maximum joy, for maximum contentment in him. God has shown us so much kindness, so much generosity, but he has shown us his love for us both body and soul by giving to us the very bread of heaven in Jesus Christ. God has given us the very bread of heaven in Jesus Christ, and he invites us to come to his table for communion. And he invites us to bring our needs, our petitions, our requests to him because he cares for us. So at this point, we have the opportunity to come to the Lord's table right now, and John is going to lead us in prayer and in the Lord's Supper right now. As we conclude the Lord's Prayer, we end this morning with God's grace, which is a very appropriate place to end. Because when we, when we come to the Lord in prayer, we bring our praise, we bring our thanksgiving, we bring our needs, but we also bring our sin. Martin Luther said that the entire Christian life 
is one of repentance. We sin daily, so we must repent daily. And the placement of this request might seem kind of odd, but it's not an accident, right? So after we've placed ourselves in the hands of a loving father, after we, we've sought his glory and his honor, after we've asked for his kingdom to come, after we've brought to him our physical bodily needs, finally we bring to him our great spiritual needs because he loves us, because his kingdom is one of righteousness and holiness, because his will is our sanctification and his care for us it extends past our bodies to the very depths of our soul. Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We owe a debt that we could never repay. So what do we do? We, we just ask for God to forgive us because we can't pay it back. And we do so with the disposition of humility, even in our relations with other people. That means that we'll be willing to forgive those who sin against us because forgiven people forgive. We ask for forgiveness for our past sins, but we also, also ask for help. We ask for deliverance from temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. We need the Father's protection against temptation. We pray that God might guard us and keep us so that we might not be deceived by the devil, the world, or even our own flesh. We pray for help in overcoming temptation. We pray for eyes to see the way of escape that God has provided. We pray for boldness and faith to say no to sin and to say yes to Jesus. And finally, again, we pray for deliverance from all evil, and especially the evil one himself. Jesus calls on us to pray that the Father would deliver us from anything that would take us further from him, whatever that is. And sometimes these things are outright sinful, but oftentimes these are good things that we have made ultimate things. So we ask for God to take those things away, to reveal those things so that we can have more of Jesus. The Lord's Prayer, it begins with a reminder that our Father is holy. He's glorious. He's good. And it ends with a reminder that in his holiness, in his transcendence, though he is the one whose name is hallowed, he comes down to us in our sin, in our brokenness, to offer forgiveness, to offer healing, and to offer hope. That's where this prayer ends. It begins with God and all of his glory, and it ends with God coming down to us in humility, coming down to us in Jesus Christ to offer forgiveness for our sins. So it's my hope that as, as we, we seek to be a praying people in all of these different ways this year, that the Lord's Prayer would serve as a, a structure for us. If you struggle to know how to pray, go to Jesus and learn from him. He offers us this model for prayer. It's been used by God's people for thousands of years that we can come to God and pray for his glory. We pray for God's will to happen. We pray for God's provision for our needs. And finally, we pray for God's grace in the midst of our sin. At this point, Pastor Don is going to come and lead us in this final prayer for God's grace. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Community Church in Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more sermons, we invite you to visit us online at RedeemerNC.org.